Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And just like that, week one of college football is in the books. With one exception, you've got a game tonight actually. BYU and Navy coming up tonight. Didn't look the same, didn't feel the same. In fact, we didn't uh, get to see our hometown teams play this weekend. But week one of college football, Brian Haydad is in the books. Welcome in. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Richard has the day off. He'll be back with you tomorrow on a day that I have off. So the whole crew will join you on Wednesday. But for now, Haydad and I got you for the next three hours. And you want to be a part of the conversation, you can do so all afternoon. 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. Brian, hey, Dad, how did you enjoy week one of college football? I enjoyed the heck out of it is what I did. I watched college football uh, all day on Saturday. It, it wasn't exactly big-time matchups, but I didn't care. Uh, I watched Marshall and uh, who were they playing? Eastern, Eastern Kentucky? Eastern Kentucky. I watched SMU Texas State. I watched Memphis Arkansas State. I enjoyed it very, very much. So I pointed out on Twitter, uh, and a a camera person from ESPN got very upset with me that I pointed this out, but they sent the bad cameras to Memphis. That's okay. I know that there's coronavirus and stuff going on right now, and that putting on a broadcast is a challenge, but all I said was ESPN sent the, is it just me or did ESPN send the bad cameras to Memphis? And I was reminded that I needed to show a little empathy, but wasn't it nice to just complain about something stupid like that for once? Yes. We've spent months complaining about real life and death kind of issues. It's great to be talking about poor officiating or bad time management, <laughs> which we'll get to in winners and losers and, and things like that. It, it, it just felt normal again. And that's, that's, what, that's what I have been sort of looking forward to. I knew the day would come where it just felt normal again. Saturday was definitely it for me. Which game did you watch the most of? Probably SMU Texas State in the middle of the day. It was a really good one as it, it was turned a game. out. And I mean, that was a SMU was like a twenty point favorite in that game. And and Texas State played really well with them. So and Jake Spavital, he's got things moving down there in checks the map. San Marcos, I San believe. San Marcos, Texas. 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 Yeah, they yeah. had fans in the stands too. It, it looked okay. Memphis yeah. was an interesting deal with the whole Shelby County has decided that they know more than everyone else on the planet and their social distancing is 12 feet instead of six. So yeah. they had a sold-out crowd of 4,000 people at the Liberty Bowl on Saturday night. They had people, though. They had football. They had football. Shout out, shout out to Starkville's own Rodriguez Clark. Dreek Clark had a big game. Another Mississippi kid is going to go to Memphis and rush for an ungodly amount of yardage. Crazy how that happens, huh? They find them. They find them. It's almost as if this state uh, is an underappreciated, undervalued, and underscouted Recruiting state. Might be a little bit. 
maybe uh, maybe just a little bit. Uh, the weekend of the underdogs, by the way, my theory is still holding true. Now it's not perfect, but you had Central Arkansas cover against UAB on Thursday night. You had South Alabama outright beat Southern Miss as a two touchdown underdog. More on Southern Miss in a little bit. There were some rumors and stuff circulating on social media last night uh, about the future uh, of the football yeah. program and who's going to lead it. We'll get to that in one second. Army beat the brakes off of Middle Tennessee. And speaking of coaches, uh, Middle Tennessee should have been left on the field at halftime and not been allowed to coach the rest of the game after the clock management thing that Haydad will get to in a second. But you had Texas State cover. You had Houston Baptist cover over North Texas. Not over, but they covered the spread. You had Arkansas State cover by half a point thanks to a missed extra point. And you had Stephen F. Austin cover over UTEP. Early underdogs are your play. Unless you picked Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it's not that, you're not going to bat a thousand here. But. That was the... I remember I tweeted on Saturday. It was fourteen nothing. I was like, I don't even know what the line is, but I feel like you probably are okay if you if you took Marshall. <laughs> and somebody was like, it's twenty one and a half. I was like, you're gonna be fine. BYU tonight uh, is a one point favorite on the road at Navy. I think that's an ESPN game, right? Yes, yes, it is. A, I mean, that's that's the that, that's a showcase game. That's a game that even if, if everybody was playing could hold up a little bit. BYU's a you know, nationally known program. Navy's always fun to watch. I'll, I'll, I'm tuning in. Yeah, it is an ESPN game, so I guess the NBA games are, are TNT tonight. They must be if uh, if BYU yeah, Navy right. yeah. Yeah. is on ESPN. So there's uh, your weekend slate for college football. But the story locally here in Mississippi was, uh, I don't even know if it's a story yet. I don't know if this is real or not, but you saw the... The rumors circulate on social media last night. It started uh, with two places. So Big Gold Nation is a Rivals affiliate. They cover Southern Miss. Uh, A writer for Big Gold Nation tweeted this. No hiding all the noise circling around uh, about head coach Jay Hobson's future with Southern Miss. Confusion has been expressed between players, parents, and boosters as to what the plan is moving forward. One source close to USM tells Big Gold Nation He's out tomorrow in a Southern Miss-focused podcast called To The Top Talk. That is a mouthful. Uh, Just simply said breaking, Jay Hobson expected to be out as Southern Miss head football coach tomorrow. Uh, That's the first place I saw it. And then a lot of people on social media and social media only uh, were saying that Jay Hobson's days are numbered and it could be done as soon as today. What are your thoughts here? If it's just football, I don't get it. Now, if you're going to come and tell me that, and I'm not reporting anything here, but if there's something away from the field that has happened, then it makes sense. Sure, I, I get it. You get sometimes, you, sometimes you get put in a position where you don't have any choice. But if this is just football related, what are you doing? What, what are you doing if you're USM? I, I wouldn't get that. I wouldn't get that. I, I don't get how it's going to be bringing. What's going to change with him gone? All of a sudden, things are going to turn around next week. I don't. I don't buy into that. So I'm not sure. You know, obviously, it's still a lot of rumor. It's not. It's nothing's been. Nothing's happened. You know, if you read the, the social media stuff, you would have thought it would have been done by now. Um, I remember when Matt Luke. You know, when that when the movement happened on Matt Luke, it was quick. You started seeing tweets. Hey, I think this is happening. 45 minutes later, he was gone. Joe Moorhead. I think it lasted basically a day. 
But, you know, you had the heavy stuff come out, I think, Thursday night, and then Friday morning he was gone. So, you know, we're, we're coming on well over 24 hours here. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with USM, but that is a program right now. they got a lot of tough questions they got to answer about themselves. And, and if they let Jay Hobson go in week one, I'm, I'm not sure what, what, that, what that says about that program. It's very possible that this hasn't happened because of Labor Day, but I have yet to see, correct me if I'm wrong, any kind of statement from the university or the athletic department about no, Jay no. Hobson's our coach. There, there's been no denial to these uh, these internet rumors whatsoever. Which, but I, that's how that's going to work, though. The university isn't going to address internet rumors. They're, they're not going to come out and say, you know, we're not, they're not going to give a vote of confidence after week one. But I'm with you. If this is... If it's just for football purposes, and for Southern Miss fans out there listening, I saw a lot of them, and of course it's social media, which is an echo chamber. It is certainly not uh, the feelings of the entire fan base, but I saw a lot of people that that took that news and kind of celebrated it, and this would, I'm with you, it would be a bad timing move. Now, if you want to make a change, if you think that you're not getting enough, even though Jay Hobson in his four seasons has only brought you winning seasons, if you think you need to get more, that that's fine. But what needs to happen is you, you need to invest in your program uh, from a fan base and financials and everything else on top of that. But also the timing of this would tell your candidate pool, uh, the message that this would send to your candidate pool, if you can win have a winning season in your four years at this place, go through a pandemic, have a handful of players opt out, have more players that couldn't practice fully going into camp, you lose one football game after four consecutive winning seasons, and you get the can? That message that you're sending to your potential candidate pool is not a good one. And it's not a job that pays particularly well either. I mean, half a million dollars would be great for you and me, but from a a coordinator... And at any school, any power five school is probably making more than the USM head coach. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, so, Pete I mean, Golding about, at Alabama is making three times that. Yeah, I mean, there are assistant coaches on SEC staff, not coordinators that make what, what, what Jay Hobson is making. If I were going to play devil's advocate with you, I would say that you mentioned all these guys opting out. That's an unusually large number of guys. Yeah. So maybe there's something to that. Um, you know, and you saw, you know, they lost one game. Yeah, but they lost. They lost the game by double digits. They were a double-digit favorite in. So that's a really bad loss. And as a Mississippi State person, I know about losing to South Alabama. So, you know, sometimes you have those bad season openers. Nobody was wearing shorts, to my knowledge. No, no but, shorts on the, the Southern Miss sideline, so, I don't yeah, think. Like I said, to me, if they make a move, there's something beyond what the on-the-field results is gotta what be. this is about. It's got to be. It doesn't have any choice. And if it's not, it would be crazy. And King Biscuit asked what happens to coaches being safe in this shortened season. I think they all are. And so it's... Unless something happens. Yeah. But if it's so. just a move just to make a move, ooh, That's the timing crazy. would be... It would be crazy. It would yeah. be. But um, it is all just rumor at this point. Uh, nothing official as of as of yet. So that is something we'll keep an eye on. You want to be like King Biscuit and be a part of the conversation, you can. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up. Jay Hobson has already been fired according to Wikipedia. (laughs) Wikipedia is the best thing ever. That happens quick, man. So, yeah, James Walter Hobson. Is an American football coach and former player. He's the former head coach at the University of Southern Mississippi, per Wikipedia. Well, I guess it's official. 
<laughs> I loved in college the profession. I mean, it, you got it in high school too, or at least uh, no, no, because no. it was no, around one. No. You you got it in. High I got school. it in high school, but oh, I had the Encyclopedia Britannica. I love that. They taught us how to use that in middle school. It was like, don't you know that the internet's here now? We don't need to know how to look stuff up in these books anymore. <laughs> Buddy, I, I made a living off of those things. I used Wikipedia all through high school, all through college. Yeah. Never once got caught. But the thing is, information on Wikipedia is like double-checked. So this will come down, either that or... He, he will be fired, but this will be corrected because people go in and edit these things and check the sources that are linked to the information. All you have to do, if you're doing a story on, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln, and there's a fact about him, there's a little number next to the fact, and you click on the number and it opens the, the page where it came from. So if you're doing a report on Abraham Lincoln, just Wikipedia him, and then pull all the links that it gives you on right. his page and use them for your information. It's really that It's simple. just a useful guide. Yeah. It's, like yeah. it's an outline. But by that same token, anybody can do anything on there. So you can come up with stuff like Jay Hobson's been fired before anything's been done. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Be, 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 make, for, make for interesting radio Vic, if they could, you know, if you're listening, USM, and you want to make a decision in the next two hours and 37 minutes that would be optimal for borky and i yeah that that would uh that would help us out uh, a whole lot we also get another text uh, to avoid richard's opinion on it too, i know seriously great. that would be awesome i'd prefer not to have that do you like the graphic i made by the way very good i, I couldn't figure laugh. out how to make it just the two of us so um it, by the way if you are listening on the radio right now and you're at home or or, or ever miss some of our show because you're at home you can actually watch all of our shows. You can watch Gallo, JT, you can watch Rebecca, you can watch us, Garden Mama Handyman, and me and Steven on Sunday mornings. Supertalktv.com is the website if you want to watch on your computer. But there's also a smart TV app. And it's a very small app, so it won't take up much of your storage, even though I have probably 30 apps on one of my Amazon Fire Sticks. I'm not even close to the end. But for what it's worth, it's a small app. Just search Supertalk. And all you have to do is pull up the app on any of your smart TV devices, and boom, there we are, live live video, front and center on your TV. So if you're ever at home, you can literally watch us now. You can look at this fantastic shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah, and I don't want to give away too much information, but there's also something in the works to where uh, certain cable, or a certain cable package will have us on one of their channels. But that's maybe don't, I said don't, too much. You might have said too much. I may have, but uh, yeah, you're definitely got people cutting the cord if they find out we're on cable. Oh yeah, seriously. Like, I gotta get off there. <laughs> I don't want to be flipping channels and see their face. Uh, what a strange time, though. I mean, to to see that last night that that was something else because I well, I like never King mind Biscuit. that. Think about you, you, with December, right? That's when Kiffin brings. Are you telling me that within eight months? All three major coaches are going to get get the axe in the state of Mississippi. It's possible. That's incredible to think about, especially when you know Moorhead and Hobson are coming off bowl year. Well, Moorhead's already gone. What was they were coming off bowl years? Yeah. 
This 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 some interesting times we're, we're living in. No and, question about that. And Moorhead's deal. See, that's why to your point, if this does happen, and that it's certainly a huge if right now. We're we're just talking because that was the talk of of the internet yeah, last night. Let's speculate. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, if Moorhead's record was what it was, but there was no disciplinary issues within the program, he's still the coach today. Right. No question about that. No question about that whatsoever. And by that same token, if he had won a couple of more games, he could have had the disciplinary issues and still been still been the head coach. Yeah. So it's you know it it it, it, it wasn't one thing or the other. It was two things. You can be a, you can run a loose sort of outlaw kind of program, but you better win a lot. Ask Urban Meyer. Exactly. Or you can run a you know a a a, a, a but you can you can lose some games you're supposed to win if everything's buttoned up tight and, and they feel good about the state of the program. Now, eventually you have to win. There's Mark no question Rick. about that. Right. But eventually you have to start winning games. But, you know, you think about Moorhead, just, just from a win-loss perspective, if State in 20, uh, 2019, if they had beaten Kansas State, and, you know, even though they lost by 10 and they didn't play well, they were a big favorite against Tennessee. If they just win those two games, they go 8-4. and four. Yeah, well, he's still coaching today. He's still coaching the team today, you know. There's no question about that. So, so that's why again I go back to Hobson and I look at his record and I and I look I get that his record is sort of odd in that you know when when you, he's never going to be a favorite against a Power Five team so he loses those games all the time um, and they play some some weak teams on that schedule but it just sort of is your record is you know you can only play the teams you play you don't get to just sort of add to that so when you look at his record and you think they're going to let him go. Something, something, something beyond wins and losses is happening here. If, if that is indeed for for the fact that these rumors even to pop up. I mean, with Matt Luke, I, I I know that the I still think that what happened at the end of the Egg Bowl from a perception standpoint. I mean, Ole Miss was sort of a laughing stock for a few days there, and that that hurt him. But I I really do believe wins and losses are what hurt Matt Luke more than anything else. With Moorhead, it was disciplinary issues. Now with Hobson, I, I, I think it's the same thing. I can't see it just being a, a one loss. Win, wins and losses are just – even it's a bad loss, but, man, there's plenty of games left in the season. Teams have lost bad in week one and then turned it around. So Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, the way that Egg Bowl ended, that was the straw. I mean, there was – that had to have been where Keith Carter was sitting up, presumably in one right. of the booths there in Starkville and decided – the team's not winning, and then this is happening. I, I just it can't be done anymore. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. How am I supposed to sell Especially this to anyone? Two years earlier, the exact same thing had happened. Yeah. Now, granted, in a win, but, but still. you know when your when your coach well, I mean your coach comes out and says that's not us, and we're going to take care of it. It'll never happen again. And then it happens again, and this time it costs you the game. Well, somebody somebody didn't do the right thing there, and it was Matt Luke. So that's <sighs> why you know and. The, the good news, if you're a USM fan, if you're looking at it and go, maybe, maybe the trend can continue. State improved. Ole Miss improved. Maybe Southern can improve. I don't know who that guy is. I know that Will Hall's name will come up pretty early in the uh, the process, yep. and it should. Maybe if he could – we talked about this Friday. Maybe him coming in could get those two local kids away from Tulane and into Hattiesburg. Beyond that, though, I mean – because of the salary limitations, I don't know where to start looking at things. You know, are you looking at position coaches yeah, at power and five then the schools? Budget, I mean, what's it going to look like? Your your financial availability after yeah. the COVID year. I looked Southern's athletic budget. If I looked at if I had this article right, was twenty five million last year before 
everything happened. Yeah. Before we got into, you know, that's in a COVID. year of normalcy. Yeah. So assume they're going to lose a couple mil this year. You're talking about twenty three million dollars, and it'll be more than that. What to get a new coach? And uh, more than a couple mil in losses. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to be generous, but because I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's what Southern's gonna have to think outside the box if this is the way they're going. They're gonna have to find somebody that we're not talking about, and and I don't know who that person is. The problem with USM is this: it's really a fine line for them because you saw what happened with Ellis Johnson. You can't go down that road again. Uh, but it feels like that they they could easier than it. I mean, if, if yeah. U.S. if one team went zero and twelve next year, and I said pick one state, Ole Miss, USM, you pick USM, not not knowing anything else about the teams. Yeah. So they got to make the right hire, but they also have to make a smart hire in terms of who they can afford and what that person offers long term. We, we we continue to talk about this this guy. He hops to me and I get fired. I know. I mean, this is just completely. We I are mean, speculating our butts off. Here. Yeah, and th- it all started from two outlets that cover Southern Miss. So blame them, not us. We're just, uh, you know, talking about the trend of the day. We get a text here that says, no way he would get fired for football reasons or you risk destroying an already shaky recruiting operation. You can't fire a winning coach and keep recruiting relationships unless the guy was caught doing something he shouldn't have been doing. It would be right. outrageous to fire him uh, right now. Yeah, that's, that's uh, uh, kind of what about if you have... And some of you know, I was reading the the USM twenty four seven board. Uh, also, I learned today there's a USM twenty four seven board. Um, Is it really? Yeah, they're talking about open revolt in the locker room. And I mean, again, it's just fans talking on message boards. But usually, somebody in that conversation is plugged in. So I mean, that's another reason. If you feel like the teams abandoned him, and again, they had an abnormally large number of guys opt out, another reason to think. I don't know. It's going to be a fun few days uh, watching this this story. Yes, it is. Elsewhere in college football, the Big 12 and the ACC start this weekend. And speaking of the Big 12, their commissioner said something very interesting. I'll tell you what that is next. It's COVID-related, but they're starting their season this weekend. I'll tell you what he said next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Things appear to be moving quickly in Hattiesburg. At Sports Talk Mississippi, I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Pete Thamel says this on Twitter. Two. He knows a thing or two. Um, he says, sources, Jay Hobson expected to step down as the head coach at Southern Miss. Barring some last-minute turn of events, news could come out as soon as today. I don't Brent mean to... Murphy has just tweeted, I'll take it a little step further. He says Southern Miss coach Jay Hobson has resigned. McMurphy was first. McMurphy was first on having Moorhead out. Thamel was first on Mike Leach in. So they've got good sources here uh, in the Magnolia State. Has resigned. So um, that is insane. That's crazy. And so something must be wrong behind the scenes. Has yeah, to be. Resigned is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now that means you know Jackie Sherrill res- resigned, and I think Hugh Freeze. Hugh resigned. Freeze resigned. Yeah, so some money is going to get paid. Maybe not a full buyout, but something. But there's something beyond wins and losses. It just has to be. I'm not going to sit there and buy into the idea that they fired him because he lost the season opener. Yes, yeah, I'm with you. I don't buy that. It it cannot be that he stepped away just because they lost a game after four consecutive winning seasons. There there has to be. And that, that that is complete 
Occam's razor speculation on my part. I don't know. I w- I'm sure we're going to find out soon. But you don't step away from a $500,000 a year head coaching job for losing one football game. Right. Yeah. D- yeah. It doesn't happen like that. No. No. Guys lose terrible games all the time. And come I mean, back and have really good seasons. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about USM, it's not like you know they're not playing any Power 5 teams this year, I don't believe. So I mean, no. the the, op- nope. the, the, op- the opportunity is certainly there for them to turn this around and have a good season. So, again, it's just I hate to speculate. I really do. I, yeah. I would prefer to report. But when you just look at this from, from a, you know, a thousand yards in the air, there's something going on here that's not just your record's not acceptable. We we got to get a new coach. Something something else. And I'm not saying it, it doesn't even necessarily, Michael. It doesn't even necessarily have to be something salacious, right? Yeah. It, it could just be something as simple as the team has given up on you. Well, that's why Andy Kennedy resi- stepped away at Ole Miss. He said he lost his locker room. And oh he yeah, I mean, away. his last game. I covered I covered his last game. It was against Mississippi State, and you could just you could hear the resignation in his voice. Yeah, that he he knew. I mean, go back and watch that game, State. State had lost big to Ole Miss and Oxford earlier that year and loses to them in Starkville. Ole Miss loses to them in Starkville, and they were just never in the game. And you could just tell Kennedy knew it was time to go, and maybe yeah. Hobson is just sort of the same way. And that, that's what we mean. I, I'm not thinking there's some Hugh Freeze-level scandal out there, but there's something more to it than just one game, whether he lost the locker room or something like that. But um, if they if they come out, and, even if they come out and say, oh, it's just because they lost that football game, I'm not buying that at all. But... Well, I mean, they can't say that, though, Michael. That, that would be suicide. What coach would take your job if you're like, yeah, we fired him over this one loss? Nobody's taking that job at that point. Yeah, not a chance. You, so. you got, you got, you've got to come up. You better have a – if you, you want to hire a decent head coach, you better have a good reason. It's sort of the same thing with, with Joe Moorhead, right? Because you look at him from mm-hmm. 1,000 yards away, and you're like, wait a minute. This guy went to two bowl games. He's recruited two top 25 classes. He won both egg bowls. They're firing him? It's when you know what's going on behind the scenes that you go, okay, yes, they, they had to make that move. It's got to be the same way here. we we got to have an idea of what's going on at USM. Otherwise, it looks like they fired a coach who's been winning over one game. That, that That's not how, as, a, as an employer, you, wanna, you don't want to have that reputation, I don't think. Uh, they're supposed to have practice at 445 today. Well, that's been canceled. <laughs> or somebody else is running it. Thamel, Thamel followed up saying that he has not been in the building today. And, the, the quote, the staff was uncertain if he'd coach practice today. But now you're seeing that uh, Brett Murphy, Murphy saying not a chance. That is wild. Wow. I, I didn't expect to see this. We were just there Thursday. I know. And they had so – think about where we were Thursday – Sitting there outside of the rock, wow. talking with Luke Johnson, talking with Jeremy McLean, talking with John Cox. And I mean, there was so much excitement and enthusiasm for the start of the season. And here we are, four days later. And now they're, they're going to they're gonna have a new head coach. And it feels like they've just pulled the plug. I mean, that is a true life comes at you fast kind of moment right there. Uh. I, I, wow. I mean, like you said, three head coaches in eight months. and More, more information here. It's Pete Thamel just met with the coaching staff to inform them of his departure. Co-offensive creator Scotty Walden will be the interim head coach. Wow. Insanity. 
I'm having so a hard again, time finding the words, man. And this yeah. is an audio platform. It's just it, again whoa. within. You know, you think about what? When was Kiffin hired? Do you remember? It was first week in December. Yeah, right? It was before the early signing period. So yeah, early December. Early December from so from early to and on November the twenty eighth, the head coaches at the. Or I guess that's that's not right. But on November 1st, we'll just say, the head coaches of the three universities in the state were Matt Luke, three major universities, Matt Luke, uh, Joe Moorhead, and Jay Hobson. They're all gone in se- on September the uh, 7th. And, of course, J- Jackson State, same thing. Jackson State fired Coach John Hendrick. So, I mean, the four yeah, biggest wh- universities in the state all have are all on either with in first year coaches are going to have first year coaches next year. It's insanity or whatever. I don't know. Now, considering what he did at Alcorn, if you're Jackson State, aren't you making a phone call to Hattiesburg? That's a great question because he was so successful at Alcorn, but at the same time, Alcorn has been good since he left. True. So maybe that program is just good. Maybe it's just it's just well built. I don't know the answer to that. It's it's worth feeling out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we get to cover another coaching search during the season, I guess, but I, I can't imagine there's going to be any kind of forward movement on a on a real hire for a long well, time. Well, you say that, you say that though, Michael. There's a lot of coaches who aren't doing anything right now. Oh, that's true. I saw that's Scott like, Kushner, who uh, covers the New Orleans NBA team for the Advocate, said that uh, Southern Michigan, the Pelicans, uh, should <laughs> uh, call Kyle Whittingham. Utah's head coach because the entire athletic department's on furlough. So hey, you want to get paid for a year, Kyle? <laughs> We've got a it's team for you. But in reality, of, of the you look at the kind of coaches USM would be going after coordinators and assistant coaches. You know, and maybe some of the lower level Power Five guys that aren't they're not playing. So it's not a question of we can't reach out to them right now because they're in the middle of their season. You could you could bring them. In. They could coach next week. USM is off this weekend. They play next weekend against Louisiana Tech. They could have a real head coach in place by then. <laughs> and make it Kyle Whittingham. I love that idea. It's just, hey, you're on furlough for the rest of the season. Come coach our guys for a Dude, year. Kyle, tell Kyle Whittingham, you know, yeah. for, for, a, for a career, sure, it's not that great. But for four months, 300K is pretty good. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you that much money. for four, hey, Come on down. 300K. Just coach our guys. You get to you get to eat at Ed's Burger Joint whenever you want. Yeah, no charge. Sounds like no a pretty charge. good deal, especially Robert for a guy that's not make that happen right for now. the Golden Eagles. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but in reality, though, if you're on, on a position coach at a Big Ten or a Pac-12 school looking to become a head coach, this is an interesting opportunity that you could just go to right now, get a huge head start in recruiting, and and you know not have the you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have the same you'd almost not be a first year head coach. I wouldn't think they would let the new coach coach. Because I mean, what would he be doing, right? He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have time to implement any systems or anything. But he could be there, and and be working with the team. I don't know how. Man, man, we're uh, we're going to get Luke on the phone here. Uh, seven minutes from right now. Uh, the He's going to give us two segments, though. Jesus, yes, to to get his thoughts on this. This is just a, a crazy story that happened uh, really, really, really fast. And it needs more. It needs more clarity. Needs more information because, like, I'm reading one headline here: um, to resign after season opening loss, which is true. But that that is implying that that is why. And I would like to know more. Yeah. Because losing to South Alabama after four consecutive winning seasons is not why you resign. It's so, not why you really. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we need imagine if more. State had fired Mullen after losing to South Alabama. <laughs> it's been like, ah, that's, that's, we can't have that. And yeah. then, you know, you, you, not, not that Hobson had the same kind of record that Mullen had at that point in his career, but I mean, it's just one game. No, nobody gets fired. Houston Nutt lost to Jacksonville State. Sylvester Croom lost to Maine. I mean, bad losses happen. Not that Sylvester Croom is a good coach, or I'm just saying. I mean, the same with Houston Nutt towards the end there. But not that I want to get sued by Tom Mars. If you're listening, Tom, Houston's a great guy. Uh, but losses happen. Bad losses happen. You can't. We got to. We got to know more. We got to know more. Got to know more. And Houston Nutt lost seven more games that season and still kept his job. Yeah, got another year. In hindsight, probably should not have. But hey. He got another year. Wow. What a day. And and imagine we were going to do a best of here and and take the day off. You're welcome. You're welcome, (laughs) Super Talk. Borky and I, if you want to send us a nice little gift basket, we got live radio here. This could have been nothing. See that guy in the middle? That's the guy not to to thank. I have a feeling we'd have been running up here. (laughs) Brian, I know you're grilling, but. uh... Boy. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk to Luke Johnson next on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team reacting. Jay Hobson, Southern Miss, resigned from his post today. We'll get to Luke next, and we'll be right back. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Multiple reports. Nothing official from the university yet, but according to multiple reports now, Jay Hobson has resigned as head coach of Southern Miss. And right now, our buddy Luke Johnson from the Super Talk Eagle Hour joins us for some reaction. So, Luke, nothing official, nothing confirmed just yet, but a lot of smoke over the last 24 hours that this was coming down. And it uh, seems like this is uh, this is happening now. So what's your reaction? Well, you started seeing a lot of traction yesterday um, online and people, rumors circulating, uh, different people saying different things. And all of it, of course, is a reaction after after Thursday night, very disappointing loss for, for Southern Miss. And not just uh, that they lost, but how they lost and kind of the reaction of the team. And, and so uh, apparently it looks like from, from what you've seen the last 24 hours, there was a some type of groundswell. And, uh, yeah, so you started hearing yesterday that uh, Coach Hobson um, would resign or might resign. Yeah, it's just it's difficult to process. Uh, you know, he, Jay Hobson played football at Ole Miss, but in a whole lot of other ways he's been a Southern Miss Golden Eagle. Um, and I think he identifies uh, Southern Miss first and foremost. I played for him four out of five years. He was a position coach and then came back as a defensive coordinator and you know, he's from this state, um, has has poured his, uh, a lot of his football career into this state and recruited a lot. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's just a, a wild turn of events. You hear about, you know, this happening and you see it in other programs. And, um, you know, just objectively, if something was going to happen, this would probably be the week that it happened because of the bye week and then, you know, 11 in a row. Um, but, again, nothing official yet. And, you know, you're just kind of waiting to hear today what might happen and you know literally 15 minutes ago you started seeing some of the national uh, press the reporters picking it up with bruce feldman and, and uh, yahoo sports and then brett mcmurphy all all saying the same thing what they had been putting out on social media is kind of what everybody had been hearing 
you know, the last uh, the last 12 hours or, or even uh, late yesterday. But um, there has been no, you know, official statement from the school, no official resignation. And uh, so, yeah, just uh, waiting to see what happens the rest of this day or tomorrow officially. Uh, one of the reports said that, uh, and let's just take it for its word at this moment, that uh, Scotty Walden is going to be the interim uh, while they search for the new head coach, I imagine, through the duration of the season. Uh, what do people need to know about him if, in fact, he is the interim head coach? Yeah, I think Bruce Feldman is the one that reported that. If, when you started hearing about if there were if there was a resignation, who would, who would be the interim head coach? Tim Billings is the assistant head coach, and he does have some, uh, some head coaching experience on, on several levels. Uh, so Tim Billings would, would would be the guy you would think um, who would be one of the two possible. But Scotty Walden is a guy, and uh, people, uh, you know, he's, he's probably one of the people that you don't know about in college football that has accomplished as much as he has. He, he, he the D three quarterback at Solros State. He finished in 2011 as a player. Came back to Solros State the very next season as their offensive coordinator. So he's out for one year. He, literally, the year he finishes, he comes back the next year. He was there for one year. They set a lot of records. Um, the next year, he moved on to East Texas Baptist, and he was the offensive coordinator at East Texas Baptist from uh, 2013 to uh, 2015. Uh, they were averaged close to over 550 yards a game. They averaged over 40 points a game. Then in 2016, so this is at age 25 or 26, he is a head coach for a Division three school. And uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. So all your coaching career, all you've ever been is a coordinator and a head coach. He then came to Southern Miss and where he's coached wide receivers. And last year he was named co-offensive coordinator with Buster Faulkner. And this year he's co-offensive coordinator with Matt Kubik. So it's, it's Scotty Walden, uh, Bruce Feldman's excuse me, uh, story or report is accurate. Uh, Scotty Walden um, would probably be the youngest, quote, uh, head coach in uh, in the FBS right now. Quick trivia Luke. for either of you: Where yeah. is Sol Ross State University? I don't know that. I don't know where it is. Alpine, Ar- Texas. Anyway, go ahead. That was close, Luke. Just just yeah. from you know, you texted me yesterday saying, "Hey, this this these rumors are sort of out there." We got only got about sixty seconds left here, but just what was your surprise level that the rumors were even out there? Well, I mean, you know, Southern Miss, um, been an Eagle all my life. Um, typically, you know, you, you look for consistency and we're not, we're not really the ones to shake up stuff, if that makes sense. But, you know, I mean that in a good way. Um, and, uh, you just feel like there's, there's a lot of groundswell over the last, uh, 72 hours or so. Um, and it, it was just a Thursday night was an ugly loss on the field. It was an ugly loss recruiting. And it was an ugly loss for the program. So you feel like uh, maybe that's that's what caused it. I still didn't – I was, you know, just throwing it out there with some people. And uh, I didn't want to necessarily see it happen at all um, because I, I love Jay Hodgson, the man. Uh, but I And I just kind of threw that out. I didn't think I'd be talking about that on Monday. Yeah, for sure. we got more with Luke coming up. We're not going to let him off the hook just yet reacting to – 
Jay Hobson's apparent resignation, no official word from the university yet, but multiple reports say that has happened. At Sports Talk Mississippi, more with Luke coming up. Hour two on this Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you, and it is now officially official. Southern Miss has announced what they are calling a transition in leadership of the football program. New creative ways to describe <laughs> that. Jeez. Uh, uh, we are always clever. Uh, Jeremy McLean announced today a transition in leadership for the Golden Eagle football program, according to a release by the university. McLean has named assistant coach Scotty Walden, uh, as we just mentioned, uh, is going to replace Jay Hobson. Here's a couple quotes. Coach Hobson came to me after Thursday's game to discuss what was on his heart. After much discussion over the weekend, he and I agreed that new leadership for our football program is needed. Coach Hobson has been a part of our program for 10 years. I appreciate his commitment to Southern Miss and wish Jay and his family nothing but the best. Here's Jay Hobson's statement. After heartfelt discussion with Jeremy, we have come to a mutual agreement for me to step down as head coach. I am in total agreement with this change in leadership and truly believe that it is in the best interest of the players and coaches and the entire program. I cannot thank Dr. Bennett and our administration enough for the opportunity they gave me. I wish Southern Miss nothing but the best and am thankful for all that they have done for me and my family. And we bring in again Luke Johnson of the Super Talk Eagle Hour to react to this. So now, Luke, officially official, Jay Hobson stepping down. Scotty Walden is going to step in as the interim head coach. And what a day on this Labor Day. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a pretty easy day. Um, <laughs> again, we started hearing rumblings uh, yesterday that this might happen. And, yeah, so now it's official. Um, interesting you know, terminology there, change in football leadership, transition. And, yeah, what you do is you hand the reins with Scotty Walden, and, and you got a bye week. And the, one of the reasons I think Scotty Walden is picked is anyone that has watched Southern Miss football – um, has sees the energy that Scotty Walden has on the sidelines. I mean, you could be trailing two touchdowns with a minute to go in the, in the uh, fourth quarter, and he's going to be jumping up on the sidelines, trying to, uh, trying to just put all of that in in the players. So it, it makes sense. Most of the time, a guy right at the age of thirty doesn't have head coaching experience. Scotty Walden does, and uh, second year as as a coordinator. So I feel like that's part of the. Uh, the move here is to allow him to infuse some energy, um, you know, with his offensive philosophy uh, and, and with what Matt Kubik could do. You kind of felt like Thursday night the, uh, the the offense was throttled to him. So wondering, you know, with the, the thoughts there, Southern Miss fans can get behind Scotty Walden and uh, and some energy this year and still got 11 games to go. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. And uh, just try to see where, where this team goes. So, uh, a lot of got to be a lot of buy-in this week with the new direction with the team and and uh, just among the coaching staff and, and I think Walden probably gives the Golden Eagles the best opportunity to do that. Little trivia: so, Who is um, the last head coach to resign after a game one loss? Jack Crow. Jack Crow. When I was about. Five months old yes. in 1992, his Arkansas Razorbacks lost to the Citadel, That's right. and he called it quits after that. Sorry for and another then, trivia interruption. And then has gone on to become a guy who makes nonsensical statements. So, yeah. Luke, let's 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 play the long game here. Give me some some ideas of guys USM might be looking at 
when they're ready to make a hire? Well, um, I, I can't speak officially at all in, in any sort of capacity. You just wonder if, if this is um, Scotty Walden's, um, whatever you want to call it. I, mean, I kind of lost for word. Audition? A long day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You wonder if it's if it's an audition. Um, you wonder how, how everybody's going to respond. Um, nationally speaking, um, some names that I've kind of heard through the grapevine, um, Will Hall at Tulane. Um, you look at the the Johns guy at Memphis, the offensive coordinator. Uh, of course, Casey Dunn at Oklahoma State. He's coached on the Southern Miss staff before. Uh, Wozniak, uh, who is at Oklahoma State, he was actually the offensive coordinator uh, for the 2015 bowl game against Washington um, when Chip Lindsey had left. So uh, those guys, and then uh, a name you know that, that brings some notoriety with it, Garrett Riley, who is the brother of Lincoln Riley. He's the uh, offensive coordinator. At SMU, so I think the American coordinators might be a place um, to look at. Um, but Southern Miss got a pretty good pipeline going at Oklahoma State, right? <laughs> Jeff Bauer was the Oklahoma State offensive coordinator. Larry Fedora was. Todd Munkin was. Why not get another? One? But uh, I think there's a. You got plenty of time, um, and I think you could say, what what happens if the Eagles win nine games? What happens if the Eagles win ten games? Uh, I, I do think that Southern Miss fans now uh, realize, um, and I think you know they, they want this. They, they want to win, and so if you have to be in Appalachian State, um, I think you're, you're willing to to lose a, a coach every two years. And and historically, let me let me get into this because I was thinking about it today. Historically, Jeff Bauer was a crazy uh, anomaly. Uh, you know, there for for 17 years. But the coaches before him, Curly Hallman was at Southern Miss for three years. Jim Carmody was at Southern Miss for four years. Bobby Collins was at Southern Miss for like three or four years. So it wasn't like Southern Miss had this long streak of coaches that were there for a long time. And so that's how the program was built up. You, you really look back and Bob Van was there forever. P.W. Underwood was there for five years. But Jeff Bauer's really been the only guy like that. And so for Southern Miss to think that they can get somebody – uh, that's going to be there a long time. It's just not realistic thinking. So uh, I think that people are willing, more than willing, to say, hey, we're just going to be that way. And if we get success with a guy and then he goes somewhere else, man, that's great. Let's make our program a place for up-and-coming coaches where they want to be. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, that's what, what has helped Arkansas State. If you, you've seen, I mean, just the stadium renovations, the, the financial commitment they've gotten from fans because they have built a program on the backs of having a coach for a very short time that has won, and they go hire the next coach that wins, and so on and so forth. If You mentioned Appalachian State. That's an interesting comparison because they have made, the people there have made a an attendance and financial commitment to that program uh, that is pretty impressive uh, for for the level, for the Group of Five level. Are Southern Miss fans prepared to do that? Because that'll be what it takes to separate yourselves from a nearby Tulane, for example. Are they prepared to do that? I think they are. And I, I think just the way the Group of Five is, the way that you want success, that's the road you've got to walk down. And uh, I, Todd Munkin is a, is a great example of this. Todd Munkin came in, everybody knew around the country that he was going to be a guy that could have success at a program. Todd Munkin has four more victories in his first two years. He only had one in his first two years, or 
He only had four in his first two years. If 2012 doesn't happen, if you hire Todd Munkin in 2012, then you've got winning seasons probably all four years, maybe three out of the four years. The point I bring up Munkin is Munkin came in and he believed into the top. He believed in the history of Southern Miss. He, I remember one time guys at a press conference, he chided basically the, the fan base and, and other people. He said, listen, I came in here believing in this to the top. Y'all need to show up at football games. And, and so he was a guy who was an excellent coach, but he knew that he was a part of the history program, and he wanted obviously to make it his own, but he wanted to identify with it too. And so if you get guys, young blood guys that, that want to infuse energy and, and, uh, and want to be given a shot at head coach, and there's a mutual trade-off, man. They come in for three years and give you success, and while they come in, they understand what they're taking over. Man, that's a win for everybody. Whew. Can't take a deep breath, don't you, sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, it's hard to believe. So what's next now? Um, they still have 11 games to play, as you mentioned. Maybe an audition for an interim head coach. Uh, what are the immediate expectations for the rest of this season, if there are any, and into the new hire and what he's expected to do right away? Because, I mean, Jay Hobson, uh, for... The celebration that I'm seeing on social media from fans did bring four consecutive winning seasons to Southern Miss. Maybe didn't elevate the program any, but that was four straight seasons with more wins than losses. So what is the immediate expectation for the new guy, whoever it may be? Well, first and foremost, if you're dancing on social media right now because a man is not a football coach anymore, like you need bigger aspirations in your life, you know? Like, Jay Hobson has been loyal to Southern Miss. And Jay Hobson is a great guy. I love the man. The coaching at Southern Miss just didn't work out. But don't go celebrating some, you know, don't go do that. I'm, I'm not, I'm preaching to somebody else out there. Anyway, so yes, Scotty Walden, <laughs> hey, hey, coach, uh, your first game's going to be uh, a week from Saturday on national TV against Louisiana Tech. You know, there you go. It's on ESPN 2 on Saturday night, September 19th. I think Scotty's biggest deal is to, to get guys to buy in this week. We, we've talked about how there's been some you know, guys entering the portal just to believe, hey, guys, we got 11 games left. Let, let's, uh, let's win. And I think they can do that. Um, and, and I think there, there will be um, – you'll, you'll see his energy and his positivity rub off on people. That, that's, that's the best-case scenario for it. Going forward, you just – you know, Jeremy McLean will do a top-notch professional job with the coach search, however that pans out. Uh, but more importantly, guys, I'm just glad that we have 11 more games to play before we have to think about that. Luke, you're the best. Thanks for the impromptu time today. All right. Have a great day, guys. See you. you can stand me up at the gates of Live radio is a funny thing sometimes. A really funny thing. So Haydad and I decided to do this show even though uh, the company would have given us the day off. We just figured football season's here. I know it's Labor Day, but we should do a show for you. Figured we'd talk about the games this past weekend. I've got an interesting thing out of the Big 12 I want to talk to you about. Dan Mullen is in the news, ironically complaining about snitching. You've got some big contracts being given out in the NFL. By the way, it's NFL game week. Got a game on Thursday night in the NFL. A lot of stuff to talk about today. And then, boom, we get this breaking news about Southern Miss and Jay Hobson. And then, because, like I said, live radio is a funny thing, 
we we can't get Haydad's connection to work anymore. So if you're watching on stream, you're seeing a whole lot of this right now, hands in the air, trying to get that figured out. I mean, this is what happens uh, on on a huge breaking news day. Of all the days, we need everything to work perfectly, and we can't get that done. We're going to try for you. He's working hard. I can see him on the stream right now trying to figure out how to get himself back connected to you so we can keep reacting to this story. But as of right now, uh, no dice. But the show must go on because that's live radio, and that is what we do here. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Currently, I am just Michael Borky here. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can do so on this Labor Day, 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line. You want to be a part of the conversation. And David texts in. He says, in other words, the job stinks, fan support stinks. Nick Saban couldn't win there. And... So that's that's kind of the key here, right? Because if you're a Southern Miss fan right now, and you've demanded more out of your program, I mean, Jay Hobson, like, like we've said multiple times this afternoon, four straight winning seasons. Year one, seven and six, four and four in the league. Year two, eight and five, six and two in the league. Year three, six and five, five and three in the league. Year four, seven and six, five and three in the league. That's nothing to write home about. Not going to build him a statue outside of the rock or anything like that. But if you're going to force somebody with that record out, you have to elevate your job. And that that starts with you, the fans. I mentioned Appalachian State. Luke brought up Appalachian State. That's a really good example of what you can be or what you need to be if you want to be competitive at the national group of five level. But you have to commit. And you have to show up. And you have to give money if you can and support your program. Because Appalachian State fans do that. They have a stadium that, up until recent renovations, was no better than what you saw at the Rock at all. But they packed it every single Saturday. They packed it before their jump to Division One, But since they've been a Division One program, they packed that place out. And they keep having to expand it because more and more people are showing up. So if you want this job to be attractive to the next coach, if you want this job to be something that's better than seven and six, eight and five, six and five, seven and six, if you want it to be that, you have to commit and you have to show up. You have to buy tickets and actually go because some of the crowd shots we've seen over the last couple of years uh, are not good enough. Not even close. So, it's up to you now. Hey, Dad, you there? No? Thought we had a breakthrough. Um, What you're doing right now isn't good enough. And, of course, the same thing could have been said in Oxford. Nobody's going to support a team that's not winning. But if you want to take that next step, if you want Southern Miss football to get back to where it was, not that long ago, by the way, it was only nine years ago when Southern Miss put billboards all over the state because they were the only BCS-ranked school in the state. That was, that was nine years ago. That's not that long. If you want to be that, though, you have to act like it. You can't just demand it, force a coach that's w- having a winning season every year out, and then do nothing about it. You have to, if you're going to demand this, you have to, to do it yourself. You have to expect this, and you have to act like it or else you're going to be doing the same song and dance a few years down the road from right now. Because 
look at what Appalachian State has done to their stadium in Boone. I've been to Boone. I love Boone. Boone's a great place. Hattiesburg can be Boone. Southern Miss can be Appalachian State. But you got to commit to it. Um, or else we're just going to be doing this all over again. And try something new here with Hey Dad. I love how this is happening in real time with you. Uh, no, I see your message. I will not call you and you will not take over for Hey Dad. That ain't happening. I would rather play whale sounds than have you, this individual texting, not any of you, but this this one guy in particular. I'd rather play whale sounds for the next hour and a half. Just kidding. I, I appreciate you very much. Um, King Biscuit asking who Dan ratted out. You know what? I'll actually get to that story right now. Dan Mullen, head coach at Florida. You are all aware of uh, Dan Mullen. In a, in a case of rich irony, is mad that somebody snitched on him. They're calling it the Dan Mullen rule. And oh, I think I have Haydad now. You there? I think I got you. All right. Uh, all right. The audio quality is not as good as it usually is, but you're back. Hey, um, the quality is not usually as good as it is with me. So, <laughs> uh, Did he answer the question I sent you? Oh, no, I didn't see it until after. We did not mention uh, Hugh Freeze. That's got to be a call, though, right? He's making, he's making $2 million plus at Liberty, though. He's an alum. you got to at least tug on the heartstrings a little bit. Here. I've seen... I've seen Ole Miss people say things like, well, if I were Southern Miss, that'd be the first call I make. Why do you want him back in this state? Why do you want him here? He'll win. But why do you want him to win anywhere, ever? Well, I mean, winning trumps everything, man. You know that as well but as I do. I, I'm, talking, I'm seeing Ole Miss fans saying that they w- would want Hugh Freeze back in the state. That's what oh, I'm confused about, about. At Southern? Yes. Now, that's a little weird. I, I mean, but, but Ole Miss fans, you know, there are a lot of Ole Miss fans, and I'm, I'm, you're just going to have to take the heartache of what I'm about to say, that they pin everything that happened on Mullen and Leo Lewis, and they, they uh, that that Freeze was just, you know, he committed a, a sin, and we'll forgive him for that, and we'll just move on. And then, you know, I mean, the average Ole Miss fan, you're like, look, we're going to rehire Hugh Freeze, but we'll be back in the Sugar Bowl in three years, and they're taking that deal. And most, not, not that, that doesn't, that's not exclusive to Ole Miss. Oh, Almost yeah. every, in any coach in America who has a flaw, if you say, look, we're going to hire this guy, but we're going to be going to big bowl games and winning a lot of games, everybody takes him. Like Urban Meyer. Right. I do right. love the occasional Georgia fan that's like, oh, I never would take Urban Meyer. I, Lies. I yeah, sure you wouldn't. Yeah, that's why you forced Mark Richt out. Uh, but so what? Now that we've been about an hour into the actual news, now what's your reaction here? Uh, do you think that um, for basically forcing him out in spite of his record is too much? Do you think Southern Miss fans are asking too much? What's your thought here? Well, Southern Miss fans asking too much. I mean, it feels like it's been the case since they, they got rid of Jeff Bauer. Um, but that said, I gotta know. I, I feel like I need to know more because I, I, if it's just a wins losses thing, no, I don't get it. No, I don't get it. Now, if it, if it's more than that, you heard Luke talk about a groundswell, and I, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know what that means. Um, you know, groundswell from whom? From boosters, from players, assistant coaches, you know, the administration. Who who wanted to make this move more? Because I don't think Hobson was, you know, Hobson can t- can tell us in this message. Oh, I agree with it, but I mean that doesn't feel right either. So, 
I'm pretty surprised. I mean, when I when I woke up yesterday, I didn't think we'd be talking about Jay Hobson getting the can on Monday Sports Talk Mississippi. Whew. I was about to tell that Dan Mullen story. I'm going to save it for the top of the hour at 5 o'clock. That's when we're going to do it. Dan Mullen yeah. complaining about somebody snitching. I was going to do it just because I was kind of in a panic. Didn't know what to do. You're sitting here plugging and unplugging the... the uh, system there it's an engineering school up here i figured it out yeah well uh the connection looks strong (laughs) though at least so we'll be able to manage we'll do that and then yeah we got winners and losers next segment yeah we're gonna do winners and losers coming up next so get those in with us right now there's a lot of potential winners and losers here 601 because we got football because we got football and your lakers evened up the series thank god for that that one's gonna be fun they were up they were up you know and then the third quarter happens and i'm just like what, what? Why is this happening? I'm telling you, man, those five years out of the playoffs, or however long it's been, I guess it's seven years out of the playoffs, I'm out of shape. I'm not built for playoff basketball anymore. I can't do this war by attrition, possession by possession thing anymore. It used to just come easy because of the Lakers fan. They're always in the playoffs. Now I'm just watching every game. I'm like, my breath, I can't, I can't breathe. Meaningful That's basketball the- is anxiety-inducing. Any kind of playoff anything. Yeah. Every play is a season, it feels like. Winners and losers coming up next. 601-879-4395. That's where you send them. What did you like? What did you not like about the weekend? Hey, that's got a ton. I've got a few myself. We'll get to those next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on a crazy Labor Day Monday. We all need a little bit more Dropkick Murphys in our life. Sports Talk Mississippi, and it's a little delayed, but it is Monday. It is after 4 o'clock. That means it's time for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Send us your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. We will start, though, with Brian Haydad. Give us a winner. I mean, other than college football fans, I'm going to go with Marshall. Ooh. They look like a really good team. You know, I, I, well prepared. What do I always say? What do I always say? When you're a good team playing a bad team, you should beat them badly. That's exactly what they did. They won, what was it, 52 to nothing. Uh, they were never in any any trouble. They had guys running wide open all day. They had big running lanes. They dominated that team. And, you know, Conference USA, which evidently is in a lot of flux right this second, you know, Marshall might be a team to, to, to watch there. Here's another win- winner for you, Josh McCown. Josh McCown, the 41-year-old quarterback who uh, his entire family, he's got a big family, and I think they're all daughters, unfortunately for him, uh, can wear all of his jerseys in every stop he's been, and it doesn't cover everywhere. He has a, been a journeyman quarterback in the NFL. This season, he's been signed to the Eagles practice squad, but here's the deal with Josh McCown in the Eagles. He will make $12,000 a week and will still get to live at home in Texas. So he will have to remain in shape. He will have to work out. He will get 12000 a week. And he gets to hang out at home. All they're using him for is to be on the payroll in case a couple of quarterbacks get hurt. Then he goes to Philly to play. 
Talk about the best deal imaginable. 12 grand to hang out in Texas and work out once a day. That is a incredible uh, deal. If we could all get that, we would, we would be in good shape. <laughs> I might call the corner office and be like, hey guys, I'm not working anymore, but call me when you need me and also... Just, just not coming in today. Just not coming in. You got any more? No, but I got a hell of a loser, so... All right, I'll give one more winner, even though it actually didn't happen. We'll probably talk about this a little bit later on in the show today, but Mickey Loomis and the New Orleans Saints. So they were in the sweepstakes for Jadavion Clowney, free agent. He was taking some offers. The Titans were really heavy, really wanted him. Problem was, the Saints didn't have any cap room. Not enough, anyway, uh, to put a bid for Clowney. The Titans were offering 15 Sounded like he'd prefer to go to New Orleans if they could match that offer, but they didn't have that kind of cap space. What they could do, though, was restructure some contracts just enough to get $10 million. And so what Mickey Loomis decided to do was find somebody, and it ended up being the Cleveland Browns, that would take on Jadavion Clowney, $15 million offer, and do a sign-and-trade. So the deal was the Browns would sign Clowney for $15 million for one year, trade him to the Saints for a second-round pick, Cleveland would eat $5 million of that contract, and the Saints would pay the rest, which would cover their salary cap. It is brilliant. It is not against the rules. It would have been a first time ever, but since the NFL got outsmarted by the Saints, they just decided to not let that deal happen, even though it's not against any of their rules. But yes, it's just a conspiracy that the NFL has it out for the Saints, although they wouldn't let a very legal within the rules deal go down. Either way, that's some galaxy brain general managing right there. I love it. I mean, if you're a, if you're a fan of a team, you have to be asking yourself, why aren't we coming up with stuff like that? How are the Saints able to do stuff like that? You know, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't explore every possible avenue. Kudos to the Saints. Didn't happen, but... It should have. You know, Clowney should, should have. be arriving in New Orleans today to begin practice, Clowney but Jeff, the NFL Clowney stopped. and Jeff Simmons on the same defense? Yeah, that's pretty good, though. I think we know somebody who's happy. It's a good pickup for the Titans, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. All right, losers. I want to tell you about Middle Tennessee State coach Rick Stockstill. <laughs> now, if you listen to my podcast today, I've already had a little rant, but we'll bring it here. Uh, down 21... 40 seconds to go in the first half at the end of the second quarter. Ball in the Army three-yard line. They've got two timeouts left. How many plays do you think they got off? They got off two, and they didn't score. They ran the ball on first down, and then with five seconds left, holding on to two timeouts, they threw the ball short of the end zone, and the clock ran out, and they ended up... you know Not that it would have made a difference. Army was manhandling them, but... That is some really, really poor. Dan Mullen scoffs at your clock management. But then I got, to, I did a little more. I did some looking around on Twitter. Rick Stockstill, the head coach at Middle Tennessee State, in 2013 signed a new contract. Borky, would you like to guess how many years that contract was for? It's to 2026, right? It's a 12-year contract in college football. Do you know how much his buyout is if they want to fire him this year? This is Middle Tennessee State. $10 million. No, nah, it's not that bad, but it's $5.75 million. Who are, when I say this all the time, <laughs> who are you bidding against? 
Who was knocking down Rick Stockstill's door? Mississippi State Ole Miss just had coaching searches. I never heard Rick Stockstill's name one time. (laughs) (laughs) And he won't be a candidate for Southern either. Who are you being against? Whoever, I don't know who Middle Tennessee State's athletic director. Don't know it, couldn't pick him out of a lineup of two. But my God, I wouldn't let that guy negotiate the price of beans. That's incredible. And it's not just the head coach. It's every staff member that didn't get them to call a timeout, the quarterback, and the announcers on the broadcast not saying a word about it. Everybody. I think think the announcers on the broadcast were just dumbfounded. They're like, is this really happening? But yeah, even the quarterback isn't coached well enough to go, I should call a timeout here. I mean, it's first and goal. You don't get in. You have two timeouts. Call a timeout. Second down, throw it into the end zone. It's either a touchdown or incomplete. Third down, you got some options because you have the other timeout, and then you kick the field goal if, if worse comes to worse. They got off two plays and didn't score and didn't even sniff the There That's are junior cool. high coaches scattered yes. across this state right now that would have managed that situation better than a multi-million dollar head coach. With a $5.75 million. I mean, Middle Tennessee State. Who in 2013, when he was coming off of like a seven-win season, did they think that you... Think about the jobs that have opened up since 2013. Texas, Michigan, Ohio State. You ever heard Rick Stockstill's name come up for any of them? I've never heard that name until the clock management mishap. My gosh, it's incredible. So that's my loser is Middle Tennessee State, top to bottom. That is not good. Oh, here's some advice, by the way. Uh, Take the point and go with Navy tonight. Very clearly, uh, leading up to the opening games of the season is going to require – and uh, Jeff Munkin – touched on it after their game, talking about his players and their discipline. Uh, The most disciplined teams are going to be the best prepared for week one, considering what they've dealt with. Uh, Who's better prepared than a service academy? Yeah, that's a good call. So, uh, go with Navy uh, tonight. There's some advice for you. Navy Navy straight up to win that game, for sure. Uh, Here's a loser. Joe West. Everybody knows who Joe West is. Ejected the Nationals general manager, Mike Rizzo who was in a box by himself in Atlanta. In a box by himself. Way up, you know where the boxes are? Way up there. Ejected him from the game and called security on him. The initial reporting was because he didn't have a mask on. But, as it turns out, Joe West kicked him out of the game, called security on him because he was arguing or yelling at him about bad calls. From way up in the press box, by himself, stood on the field and called security on him. Umpires are never going to want players to, or the fans to come back so they can hear Seriously. all these people making fun. He may have been saying that stuff before, and I just never knew. I mean, hey, newsflash. Yes. Just do, number one, do a better job. Number two, they, they paused Again, the game. This, they, this is fireable. I mean, I know they have a union, but that is incredible. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. It's embarrassing for baseball. And everybody knows who this guy is because he pulls crap like this all the time. They right. He got the crew right. together to stand in the middle of the field and would not leave until security escorted out the Nationals GM for telling him he stunk from the upper deck. God, we protect, we protect umpires more than we do political leaders. More than the Federal Reserve, man. We've got yeah. a, I mean, we're more protection on Joe West than our gold deposits. It's ridiculous. It, it, it really is something, the way officiating is protected 
in sports. I, I I don't quite understand it, to be totally honest with you, that they don't have to take questions. They're basically allowed free reign to do whatever they want. They want, and whenever they make a, a an egregious error, there's no correcting it. You know, there's no. You know, what I found out. I found this out a few months ago. That you, you know the pine tar game. You know yeah. I'm talking about with George mm-hmm. Brett. So they appealed that game and they won the appeal. They went back and replayed the game from that out. Yeah. But you can't replay the game from an obviously blown call that's going to cost somebody the Super Bowl. It's, just, it's pathetic. We are. You don't have to, you don't have to work hard same language, to get man. me rolled up on the officials. You just don't. Quick shout out: Dustin Johnson wins the FedEx Cup. That's a fifteen million dollar payday for DJ. Has only nice. been out earned in his career by Tiger and Phil. That's how much money he's made so far. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Your winners and losers next. Dustin Johnson, just to add to what we said before the break, in the three playoff events, shot minus 30 to win the first one. Nobody beat him in 72 holes in the second one, and John Rahm's 66-footer is what got him beat in the playoffs in the second one. And he went wire to wire this weekend to win the third one. That is a convincing domination of the FedEx Cup playoffs and Dustin Johnson again. $15 million. I do have one more winner I've forgotten about. Uh, DeMichael Harris. We'll give USM fans something to smile about today. Former USM running back and receiver. And uh, he made the uh, practice squad for the Indianapolis Colts, making him the first St. Al project since... I don't know when to be in the NFL. I want to say Eddie Ray way back in like the 50s. Um, yeah, so he's got the one thing that you cannot coach, and that's elite speed. So I got to think that he's going to make his mark uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, and then from the loser side, I mean, not a good day for the Rebels yesterday. Breland Speaks getting cut, though. Second round pick yeah. a couple years ago. Just getting uh, getting getting uh, kicked off at, a, it's, it's, uh, at Kansas City. Laquan Treadwell uh, gets cut from Atlanta. Not not a good day for Ole Miss pro prospects yesterday. No, Treadwell, he was never the same after that uh, that Auburn injury nah. and then nah. had the drops apparently uh, all throughout the NFL. Speaks was surprising because he looks like he lost a little bit of weight, looked physically good, just couldn't make the roster. Tommy got cut too, right? Yeah, I, I assume uh, that he has already cleared waivers. Haven't seen anybody actually announce yeah. that. Apparently the team likes him. It's just... You can only keep so many quarterbacks on your active yeah. roster. Um, it's not like it's not like Shea Patterson who they got rid of quickly. Signed him and cut him like three days later. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy was overthrowing receivers on air at combine workouts. That, that was yeah. that was never going to happen that way. Real quick, you, you, you brought this up. Uh, Joe Cook from, uh, I think he's from WAPT. Yeah, WAPT News. JSU not considering Jay Hobson for their, uh, their head coaching uh, opening. It's interesting. That that that's a quick statement to put out. Yeah, maybe they've like, already zeroed in on their guy. True, that's spot very possible. Uh, loser, you would think gender, they have a good coaching tree to get to go from. Go uh, ahead, for though. sure. Uh, gender reveal parties. A f- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, always they're a loser. I but laugh. It's a lot of tragedy, but a fire that has destroyed seven thousand acres and forced the evacuation of three thousand residents was caused by a smoke generating explosive used at a gender reveal party 
according to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. With the dry conditions and critical fire weather, it doesn't take much to start a wildfire. Those responsible for starting the fires due to negligence will be held financially and criminally responsible. Yikes. Michael, do you like cake? I do. I love cake. If you're going to have a gender reveal party, just get a dang cake. Yeah. It just, cut into cut it. it. It's blue. It's pink. Whatever. Everybody likes cake. Not everybody likes fire. <laughs> or just don't have one at all because nobody Idiots. cares if nobody cares if you're having a boy or a girl. Just post it on I mean, Instagram. You, That'll be just if, fine. If you do want to do it, man, get a cake. Get an ice cream cake. That's an hour talking. <laughs> A couple from you. Winner, the listeners, glad you decided to do a show on Labor Day. Your check's in the mail. I appreciate you. So are our bosses right now. Uh, King Biscuit, loser me, didn't know any games have been on since the Southern Miss game. He calls himself an idiot. Yeah. How did did that happen? College football is back, baby. We got games every week. The ACC and the Big 12 in part start this weekend. It's not a full Mm -hmm. slate, but you get both conferences. And then yep. they'll have games two weeks from now, and then the mm-hmm. SEC begins. Also, NFL on Thursday, and of course Sunday, and they're off. And I believe running. ESPN next Saturday night, the nineteenth, USM and Louisiana Tech. That will be a point right. viewing at this point. Oh yeah, Strider and Indianola, another compliment winner. Today's sports conversation without politics or Richard. <laughs> well, you know what? I like Richard, so, <laughs> but the no politics thing is really making me happy. I didn't add that for Richard part. He did. I'm, no, ju- I'm know, just reading what the text say. Oh, I read the text, yeah. And uh, we have somebody upset that I teased the Dan Mullen story and never actually got into it. We will do that next. I think next it's segment, funny. Next I, I think it's yeah, really it's great, funny. Uh, it's a great story, yeah. Uh, the Mullen Plus, rule. you know, get, the, get to, uh, you know, use yeah. the impression. I, I think you should yeah. do the uh, the entire back and forth. <laughs> like that. segment. <laughs> See what I can do. We got that coming up in the next hour. Yeah, Dan Mullen is mad that somebody snitched on him. You've also got a um, a crowd noise situation in the NFL. They have regulated the crowd noise. Part of it is really cool with how they're developing the natural sound, the crowd noise that it's going to be there. But it also kind of, for lack of a better term, screws over a team like New Orleans that has a real home field advantage We'll explain that coming up as well, plus your texts. Bunch of big contracts in the NFL were signed over the weekend, including a quarterback. So what does it mean for Dak Prescott? We'll talk about all this coming up in the next hour. Sports Talk Mississippi, 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be right back. Fast first two hours. Welcome in Hour 3, Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you live on this Labor Day Monday. It is great to be with you. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. No charge to you. I had somebody ask me that once. No, it doesn't cost you anything to text the show. 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. Luke Johnson joined us earlier. In case you missed it, it will be uploaded. The podcast will be available wherever you get them. Search Sports Talk Mississippi. You'll find it or on demand on supertalk.fm. Luke joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. But enough teasing. Let's get into this Dan Mullen story for the College Football Fix.
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Stop by and test drive an F-150 and you'll see why right away. It's been America's best-selling truck for longer than I've been on Earth for decades. You'll find out why. Stop by at one of your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive one of those F-150s. Treat yourself to a brand new Ford. Dan Mullen is upset. Oh, yeah. Because somebody been snitching on Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. This probably applies to Mississippi State as well, but it's being called the Mullen Rule now. Dan Mullen, shockingly, is not a fan of what is being called the Mullen Rule. His Gators, and when he was at Mississippi State, they did the same thing. Typically, do not wear jerseys during pregame warmups. They wear something else, whether it be like an Under Armour shirt or something else. They do not identify themselves with what they're wearing on the field in pregame warmups. That makes it difficult to figure out who's preparing to play and who may be hurt or is serving a suspension. If you're a reporter in the press box trying to report who's going to be playing to your followers and readers and listeners, or if you're an opposing poach, poach, coach in the press box. That changes this year. New NCAA rule says players must be wearing their jersey or have their number available on their body while they go through pregame warm-ups. Dan Mullen, in a Zoom session, said... Hold on, let me pull it up. <laughs> I got you, I got you. All right, uh... Dan Mullen rule, right? Yeah, well, well, that's because these staffs, you know, people have like 75 quality control coaches that all get mad. I think it's ridiculous that we have to do that, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen rule. That's horrendously ridiculous. We know we warm up. Our guys are warming up. How they warm up? It is what it is. Go ahead. What's your question? That's my rant on it. Uh. So he's asked, well, who do you think turned you in? Well, who do you think? Georgia? Uh, you said it, not me, buddy. Check out my Yeezys. So here's, here's the thing. I was I was at, you know, obviously covering state when they started doing this. It was in 14. They started warming up in these T-shirts. And I honestly, I think it started as, look, it's super hot out there. Why, you know, why for the first portion of warm-ups will we be in full pads? Let's let them come out there, stretch and everything, and they're not sweating out all of their energy before the game even starts. And I think it sort of it became a, Oh, while we're here, nobody can tell. You know, they they, they discovered that. My guess is Mullen just. I, I think he honestly started off as a as a player safety thing, and then somebody probably says, "Like you know, you do that, and we have no idea who's warming up." And he was, "Oh, really?" So, I think that's how it sort of evolved. And yes, one hundred percent, Kirby Smart turned them in on this. There's no question in my mind. What a petty, really sad thing to turn somebody in for. Especially when you could just do it yourself. Seriously. You could just tell your team, hey, we're going to be warming up in shorts and t-shirts. Or just don't put your jersey on. Wear a G-shirt. I don't know. Or get all those quality control guys to pull up the roster with the faces and match them with the guys warming up. I don't know. I mean, how much of a competitive advantage or disadvantage is it when you don't know if a guy's in pregame warmups or not, like, is there really that much adjusting you can do? If at if- that point in the game, I mean, I, I mean, I guess if it's the starting quarterback, 
You might say something. But you'll be but, able to spot him right away. But you should be able to spot that guy anyway. Yeah, just because like the second string linebacker is not warming up, I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal. I kind of feel mulling on this one. I think it's dumb. It's a dumb thing That's to complain nice. about. The words you probably never thought you'd say right there. <laughs> I, I sympathize with Dan Mullen. Hey, I've been high on his uh, his Florida Gators this year, I think. Well, I, I mean, that, you got to be high on them now with all the flux at Georgia. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so how do you handicap that move in the SEC East? We have yet to reveal. You might have already done them uh, on your podcast or, or elsewhere, but we mm-hmm. have not re- revealed them on this show. The plan is for us to do it the week before SEC play begins. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my plan. Yeah. Um, but did the Jamie Newman thing affect the way you look at the East at all? I've been trying to think about that because either way, I'm going with a transfer, right? I'm going with there's no experience at the quarterback position for Georgia. Either way, you know, Newman started some games. JT Daniels started some games at USC, but it's not like it's not like Fromm is back. Um, so you know, I still think Georgia's the more talented team, and I still believe in Dan Mullen's ability to choke in the big game. So. But that said, I mean, right now, if you said pick that game, pick the cocktail party, I would pick Florida. Speaking of, uh, we played Elaine Kiffin press conference a couple weeks ago. We've got an entire, not an entire one, uh, but a, a very significant portion of Mike Leach's press conference. Uh, you'll hear Brian Haydad's voice on it. Uh, they had a scrimmage over the weekend. Was this their first yeah. scrimmage as a team? Yes. Okay, so after the first scrimmage, uh, a lot of insightful answers from Mike Leach. Is there anything, and we'll play this here coming up in, in a few minutes, is there anything that you learned from almost 20 minutes uh, on Zoom with Mike Leach? Just that he, he likes where his team's at, which I was surprised by. I thought he, you know, Leach, in the first couple times we talked to him, been like, ah, we're behind, I'm not sure where we are. On Thursday, you know, he said, not seeing the separation I like from the quarterbacks. And then he came out on Saturday, he's like, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're further ahead than I thought we would be. So that 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 feels like good. And to me, that sounds like the offense. I, I don't know what to make of the defense yet. this yet. We're supposed to talk to defensive coordinator Zach Arnett sometime this week. But from an offensive standpoint, it sounds like he was pleased with how his quarterbacks and his receivers played. First time you're being able to talk to Mr. Arnett? We talked to him uh, week one, but that was where he came out. <laughs> he was very blunt and was like, we're not even close to what we need to be. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the most honest statements I've ever gotten out of a coach. But uh, people, people yeah, are we'll making a lot again. about Mike Leach's system and, and all that stuff. But the defense is—that's where all the questions are. That's where all yeah, the questions I, I are, and a... that's where you're going to see a probably a more unique system in college football. Not that everybody airs it out the way Mike Leach does, but you have some air raid elements in a lot of college football. You don't have yeah. a whole lot of three-three-five out there. No, you don't, and and. With, with with the question marks Mississippi State has defensively, it's going to be you know that's where the season will make or break. If they're just halfway decent defensively, they can win five six games, maybe even you know pull off an upset and get to seven. If they're not good defensively, everything's going to be a shootout and sort of feel like four wins might be the ceiling for them. So don't know, don't know enough about the defense right now. I know they they've got some they got some players I like, love Pickering, love Marcus Murphy, Errol Thompson is as solid as they come, but. They, they've got some question marks for sure there, especially in the secondary. And depth as well, right? Depth, yeah. Well, I mean, depth's always going to be an issue at Mississippi State. They just they don't recruit the same way that Alabama LSU do. Um, you know, you think about the 2018 defense, that's about as good as you're going to find. But We just need a hospital around here that would be willing to funnel money 
through their charity to. That's how. Well, I mean, a hospital would more than likely work against Mississippi State. You know, the medical school. <laughs> yeah, I state state needs like a, a you know a giant engineering firm to come in. A big veterinary um, clinic. Something like that. Yeah. Now we're talking. Is my dog going to be okay? No, but they got a five star safety that you will not believe. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think. Yeah. I'm like I said. I'm interested to talk to Arnett, but I think Mississippi State. Offensively, I think they they feel pretty good about where they are. I mean, I wasn't too concerned. Costello is, a, I mean, sure things don't exist. But he's seen it. He's seen it and done it, and he's got he's got the, the measurables. He's got everything you need. Kylan Hill, you know what you've got there. And Mike Leach has made a career out of turning guys you've never heard of into eight hundred thousand yard receivers. So you know, State's got plenty of those. They got plenty of guys you've never heard of. So we'll see what happens. So we'll hear from Mike Leach coming up next, a post-scrimmage, the first one of camp so far. Can we call it fall camp yet? It is September. Is it fall yet? supposed to drop into the uh, the low 80s. Yeah, uh, it's fall camp week. now. For the first time in years. Yeah. It's fall camp. Actually, so we'll hear uh, from Mike Leach first post-scrimmage media op of fall camp. A lot of answers about quarterbacks and offensive line and stuff like that coming your way next Then we'll get into some of this NFL contract news. You had big, big signings and a big trade deal with Jadavion Clowney. Big signing for Deshaun Watson. And, of course, anytime a quarterback signs a deal, the question, what does it mean for Prescott? All that coming up next, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get right into it. Mike Leach, after a scrimmage on Saturday, met with the media, including Brian Haydad. He starts by answering a question about his backup quarterback, or one of his backup quarterbacks, Will Rogers. Uh, Will did an admirable job as far as uh, a lot of times a freshman goes out there, first scrimmage, they'll flinch a little, but he came out of it fast. I thought he did some good things. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, the others I thought were competitive. You know, they can line up and uh, – in play to a point. I thought those those two had the best scrimmage. Coach, on the other side of the ball, how did uh, the secondary fare today against your offense? I think it was mixed. I thought uh, one thing I was impressed with is uh, how well we open field tackled. I thought we did a good job of tackling. A lot of times at this point you don't tackle as well as you want. Now, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know as far as, you know, um, what defensively our thoughts are as far as a guy being in position, but I thought they tackled well. Um, and then I thought, but I also thought our receivers at times had uh, did a good job getting separation and uh, and making some plays. I thought it was a very productive scrimmage. As I would have to categorize it as uh, uh, cautiously optimistic, a little better than I thought it may be. Coach, from a pass protection standpoint, how do you feel like your offensive line formed? I thought the the first group did a good job. I thought it got mixed after that, but we were able to uh, uh, play, and it looked like football with uh, with uh, you know uh, three groups. So we were able to play three full groups, and it did look like football. And I can't say that it always does. Some is you know how many bodies do you got? But uh, some of them, you know, some of our down the list guys, I thought were competitive too. Coach, were there any players in particular uh, that, that stood out that you could call by name that, that kind of had a, a really good scrimmage and, and you were just really impressed with what they did today? Uh, you know, I don't have the exact guys. I thought the defensive line did a good job getting pushed. They played the run really well. Um, and then, you know, uh, some of the key plays, uh, whether it be third down or fourth down, we traded blows. 
had some big plays offensively there, uh, had some big plays defensively there. Um, uh, but, you know, the the most positive thing is, is I thought uh, we played together as, as units, uh, you know, when you consider uh, where we're at in the course of things. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks, but uh, what re- what receivers are maybe separating themselves and maybe making a play for first team? You know, we spread the ball around uh, pretty good today, which I think is a good thing. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Malik Heath had a really good catch. I mean, one that was contested that uh, he fought for and, and took away. Um, and then I'd have to look at the numbers. I thought that uh, uh, Wally... Um, had some good catches. Uh, Austin Williams had some good catches. Oh, uh, Tulu had a big catch. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I thought our backs were steady. You know, we played a number of them. I thought they were steady. Um, you know, as these guys really wadded up the middle and blitzed a bunch. And then, um, and I think that was another thing the, uh, the O-line did good, but also the defense did, you know. And so it was back and forth. You know, there weren't really any lulls. And I didn't think even when we went with the third group there were um, any significant lulls. Maybe a play here, play there, but uh, <clears throat> we had across the board uh, solid competitive work. It's not one of those things where um, they start out all fired up and then sort of fade at the end. I, I never had that sense uh in the course of this. So I, I thought it was pretty competitive. Coach, how much were you able to work on the special teams today in the scrimmage? And if so, what did you see from that group? Uh, they worked on it a lot. Uh, they worked on it a lot. Um, as they had a meeting before. Um, they worked on it quite a lot. And, uh, you know, and <clears throat> not just the fit type of stuff, but where they run down field. So it was, there, there was a lot of work there. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, yeah, I would say as far as just like one solid period, um, our most uh, competitive special teams work. And I thought it was pretty good. And then I thought uh, field goal looked pretty good too. Coach, with the first scrimmage in, in the bag now, does what you want to do in practice change? Do you, do you expect more now at this point? Uh, you try to channel the reps around the guys that uh, are starting to separate themselves. I think that'd be the biggest thing. There's no... Uh, scheme overhauls. If anything, we'll probably cut some plays rather than add plays. Um, and, you know, as we kind of identify what we're really good at and then really polish that up, uh, you know, nothing really dramatic, just kind of some of the doodad stuff. But uh, uh, but with that said, we're still going to, um, <clears throat> you know, motion several things. And I think we've responded overall pretty well as far as uh, being able to motion and execute plays, snap it on time, that type of thing. Coach, uh, with the first scrimmage in the books, what, what does that mean now as far as paring things down and kind of limiting reps and kind of getting a little more focus on the depth chart? Well, I mean, that's uh, that's a step towards that for sure. It's a big step towards it. You know, I, it's not the, the, the complete picture. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's good players out there that don't get opportunities or something like that. You know, because there's a randomness to it. You go the first group, and then, then which is only so many plays, and then the second group, which is only so many plays. And so, uh, you know, there is a little bit of randomness. There's a, uh, you know, there's some. Uh, I guess the quick way to say it would be there's some relatively average guys that had the opportunity to show what they could do, and there's some uh, fairly good players that may not have. And then so practice continues to figure into the evaluation, but. 
I think what this does is it uh, increases the tempo to a point where um, there's an extra set of pressure and intensity as far as operating at this pace because it's uh, faster than kind of some of the instructional nature that exists in a practice. And, um, you know, and one thing that uh, we are able to do is we enforce penalties. Uh, Some guys on the first scrimmage, they don't enforce penalties. In my case, it's varied a little bit, but we enforced all of them uh, today and, um, and we're able to do that. And, uh, and, and it did look like football and it doesn't always. You may get tired of talking about them, Coach, but we ask you about quarterbacks all the time. I, I know that you said that KJ has kind of been a little bit ahead. I, I've heard you say that a couple of times now. When, when do you think you, uh, whether it's to them or maybe even to, to us in the media, when, when do you think you would uh, maybe have that narrowed down and, and have a starter? Could it possibly be game week or maybe before? Uh, I think it'll be before. I think it'll be before. I don't expect it to be tomorrow, but I, I think it'll be before game week. I and I don't know that it'll be next week either. Yeah, Mike, based on what you've been saying and everything we've heard, it sounds like it's between KJ and Will following up to on Joel's question. Uh, is that what it's down to, or is it still kind of open between all three or four of those guys? Uh, still kind of open, but less open than it was. When, when you do the scrimmages, and of course you've been doing practice, do you feel like it comes easier for the, the, the veteran players who are undergoing a new system, or is it easier for the guys who are just coming in sort of fresh, like a Malik Heath or a, a Tulu Griffin, who this is really all they're going to know? I think it's both. I, I, I think it's both. I think mainly, um, you know, if, uh, if, if, you're, if I had to pick one, I'd go with the experience. You know, I think the experience is, uh, is definitely appealing because they have the ability to adjust. And, and you know, here's uh, some of these guys have had to adjust to, you know, a couple new staffs. And so then, um, you know, I think uh, experience is something that's hard to uh, for a young guy to defeat, but there's uh, definitely some youth and enthusiasm out there that, uh, uh, you know, guys just really excited to be there and really hungry to show what they can do. And we, uh, I thought uh, both were exhibited uh, today on both all sides of the ball, all three sides. Mike, I know it's not something y'all share specifics on, and I'm not looking for specifics, but I think today Tennessee canceled a scrimmage because they had 44 players who they didn't know if they came into contact with COVID or not. And then earlier in the week, Lane Kiffin said he doesn't even know who his first and second team is because guys are in and out all the time. And I'm just wondering if you guys have had any challenges with that or for the most part you've been able to hold practices as you normally would. Uh, without a pandemic? Uh, knock on wood, uh, we have. Yes, we have. And um, and we've had a pretty complete uh, group. And, you know, and, and I don't know if it's luck and circumstance, but I do know that uh, Thomas Callens, our trainers, and uh, those guys have been very vigilant on everything they do as far as, uh, you know, the testing, uh, the testing, the masks, uh, and then routines for separation and those type of things. That was a little bit of Mike Leach after the scrimmage on Saturday. And for what it's worth, that last question, um, that was incorrectly reported by ESPN. So uh, not the reporter that asked the question, but ESPN incorrectly reported that Tennessee had 44 players that were out due to COVID. Uh, That is not true. That was inaccurate. The the number of players that actually tested positive was eight. They held out uh, a few more that were in contact with those eight but did not test positive, and the rest were injury 
or other things. So, um, in typical sports media fashion, that made its rounds, and everybody, oh my gosh, Tennessee, 44 players out due to COVID. Uh, That was misreported, and the correction, as we talked about Friday, didn't get the play as the original inaccurate report. But as is tradition in the the COVID world of sports reporting. We'll react to some of what he said, then turn the page over to Deshaun Watson's contract and what it means for Dak coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. So we got to do it. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. Enough people are talking about where we got to do it. And, and I think it's not as cut and dry as some people do regarding the now open Southern Miss job. Friend of the program, Joel T. Coleman, Brian Haydad's podcast partner, says this on Twitter. Will Hugh Freeze get the Southern job? Who knows? But if he did, he'd be slated to make a trek up to Stark Vegas on November 18th, 2023. Mark your calendars. And everybody's very quick to point out that he makes over $2 million at Liberty, and Jay Hobson was making about five hundred k at Southern Miss. But a couple of things of interest to me. Uh, number one, Jerry Falwell is no longer at Liberty. You would presume that they would fill his role with somebody that actually has real Christian values and will run the university like it's supposed to, but maybe, I mean, you know, we'll see. But his buddy Falwell's not there anymore. You think they'll promote Freeze, is what you're saying? No. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying his buddy Falwell's not there anymore. And party's over. Let's be honest. Even though Liberty pays more, if you want to be taken seriously as a head coach to return to the SEC, which you know is his goal. Southern Miss, you are taken more seriously being the head coach at Southern Miss than at Liberty, especially with the clown show that's gone on over there. It's true. So, look, I mean, the guy turned down, didn't turn it down. He wasn't going to get it, but left $16 million on the table when he left Ole Miss. But he was, at one point, a top 10 paid coach in college football. He's got money. It's there. I don't think it's as obvious as, well, he gets $2 million at Liberty, he would never consider Southern Miss. I don't think it's a road that Southern Miss is going to go down. I'd be really surprised, honestly. I'd be surprised if they went down that road. But I think if it was offered to freeze, it would be more than just a quick no. Because Southern Miss gives you more credibility than Liberty does when you're looking for a step up in the coaching world. I, I believe that to be true 100%. The other thing to consider is, you know, I don't know that five hundred thousand is the the maximum Southern can pay a head coach. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't know if they can get to two million. That seems that seems high. You're talking about that would be ten percent of almost of your your athletic budget. But can you get to a million five? Can you make it? You know, sort of interesting. A you know, million two five with some incentives. You know, I don't know. So yeah, I, I, you got to call him at least. You got to at least you got to at least get him on the phone and see where it goes from there. All right, back to the Mike Leach thing. I just wanted to get that out because a lot of people are immediately dismissing that. But with the unrest going on at Liberty and the Never. fact that he's trying to get back in the SEC, I think the the path would be better formed through Hattiesburg than, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Wherever Liberty is, I forgot already. Where Liberty? What? Where in, the university? What, it, it, I blew it. It doesn't matter anyway. But in Virginia, I know that. Yeah. So. There you go. Never, never dismiss anything immediately. There's always a possibility that something could happen. 
So what uh, stood out in what Mike Leach said to you? Anything? Yeah, the cautious optimism. The the, the I like the the defensive line getting some push because I think State's offensive line is going to be pretty good this year. So the fact that they had some success there is is a good thing. Um, and of course, you know, I think the, I guess the most interesting thing, and that was on today's uh, Thunder and Lightning, is it feels like Will Rogers is the backup quarterback. That Schrader is three, and I don't know if that's a uh, you know a real problem or a real issue because you know. As long as Costello stays healthy, it doesn't matter who goes out there when the team is up or down big numbers. So it, it, it's not a big deal. But if you're telling me that if Costello gets hurt and the first guy off the bench is Will Rogers, I'm surprised by that. I really am. I thought Schrader, you know, obviously this isn't the offense he was recruited to play, and I don't know how much it, it uh, you know, his skill set really works for it. But Schrader is an underrated passer. People act like he's just a runner, that he's like another Nick Fitzgerald. He completed 58% of his passes last year in a very unfriendly offense for quarterback. As a true freshman, that was not expecting true. to play. Wasn't expecting to play at all. Did, did not show up at Mississippi State thinking, I'm going to play, I'm going to start four games this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I'm not giving up on Trader by any stretch of the imagination, but Will Rogers seems to have really impressed the staff uh, early on. And he was a guy, uh, as you've mentioned many times, that Mike Leach did recruit. Somebody that he always yeah. wanted. Whether or yeah, not he, he got the Mississippi State job, he wanted him. He would have taken him up at Washington State, no question about that. Speaking of Mississippi State and quarterbacks, over the weekend there was a massive contract extension signed by Deshaun Watson, the quarterback at the Houston Texans. Four years, $160 million extension, so he's locked up through 2025. And the inevitable question comes, what does this mean for Dak Prescott? Now, his 2020 situation's already signed, sealed, delivered. He's going to be on the franchise tag. But do you think this impacts what happens with Dallas and Dak at all? It feels like every time we have one of these, this is the question we have to ask. Now, I don't know how much Mahomes affects it because he's not getting 50. But it's got to affect something. I mean... The thing that, 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 that I keep coming away from is everybody else seems to be like in a hurry to get these deals done. They're getting Mahomes' deal done ahead of when it's expired. You're getting Deshaun Watson's getting a deal ahead of And here's Dak going to play a year on a tender offer. So it makes me wonder, and, and everybody we've talked to says, oh, no, they really want him to be the quarterback of the future. Do they? Do they really want him to be the quarterback of the future? If so, why isn't this deal done? Yeah. That's how, that's how I'm looking at it. It's a prove-it thing. I, I said yesterday on the Sunday show, I think basically what is happening is Dallas is prepared to move on from him if, it, if he does not have a career best season. And you may think they're crazy for that, or you may think that they're the smartest yeah. people in the room, but I think that's what they're prepared to do. That it's, it's you better make gambling. the playoffs and win a playoff game, or else we'll draft a guy and go with Dalton for a year. That's a big gamble, but you know we'll see. You're the face you just made. I mean, I, that's a big gamble. There's no, there's no question about that. But especially, I mean, when's the last time a quarterback of Dak Prescott's, you know, statistical resume has just hit the open market without something else going on? I mean, Brady is one thing, but Brady was already, you know, he's obviously already locked into Tampa Bay. Yeah, he's an old Talking man about, you know, too. Bringing this guy in on free agent visits. I mean, he just thought he got recruited out of high school, so. Yeah. What is the last major free agent quarterback in the NFL? Like in their prime major free agent. I know Brady, like you said, Brady was yeah. courted. And Brady but... not in his prime. Same with Peyton Manning, not in his prime. Yeah. Still still very, very good and able to win Super Bowls. 
But I'm trying to think, you know. It just, just doesn't happen much. And Breeze, Breeze lost his starting job. Yeah. So that's why he I mean, was on the open market. You know, was you know Kurt Warner had lost his job to Eli Manning, and then he went down to Arizona. I'm thinking about Montana. You know, they were ready to move on to Steve Young down in in, for, in 49er country back in the day. I don't remember the last time there was just a true, like a, a, a true, good quarterback that they're just like, yep, you can walk. I mean, they they, they treat quarterbacks like gods at that league. They, 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 everything is revolved around the quarterback, and you're just going to let the guy go. So we get a little taste get a of NBA done. free agency in the NFL. I still think they'll get a deal done. It just feels like that that's going to happen, but I don't know. He it, seems it, it invested does. in Dallas. That there's does. that. I mean, he's he, he's always wanted to be a cowboy, and at the end of the day, with, with the Cowboys right now, I mean, I think if they can seeing the, the the deals that Deshaun and Mahomes have gotten right now, if they could just go back in time and say, okay, you want a four year deal? That's fine. We can do that. They would probably just do it because it, it feels like if they are going to sign him long term, it's going to cost them more today than it would have three months ago. Interesting times. Interesting times in the NFL with the, with the quarterback situation. And uh, w- what happens with the salary cap? I think that, that's something that nobody's talking about. And speaking of something that nobody's talking about, tell me if I'm crazy. You've been an NFL fan for a long time. I have been my entire life. I do not remember a season that had this little hype going into it. We start on Thursday night. I think that's a COVID thing. They it's got to be. Else. It's just... It's just no, nobody wants to get excited about anything until it actually happens. You know, everybody's on wait and see there because everybody's like waiting on the plug to get pulled in the last second. What what is the Thursday night game? I assume it's the it Chiefs. is Houston and Kansas City. That's a monster game. Our Huge. friend John Harris has got to be excited about that. Oh, you but know yeah, he's pumped. But yeah, you can't you can't let yourself get excited until you see kickoff because you know the full as well as I do that. 30 minutes before the game, they can just be like, oh, we've had a rash of, of positive cases. We're going to yep. shut it down. You know, And I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to have NFL football. The NFL has done a good job of bubbling up as best they can. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very excited. The Saints right now, I mean, I'm super excited for that season. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I expect them to get to the Super Bowl. Now, I've expected that the last two years, and you see how that's well, gotten they, me. They should have the last well, two I, years. You know, well, that's not, It sort of is what it is. You know, it'll be okay. <laughs> but that said, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for NFL football. I'm excited for football is here, you know, and, and you're right. It, it's just because it's it's of everything else that's gone on around us that we haven't had our normal lead up and build up. We didn't have the preseason. You know, we haven't had that chance to really get into to the NFL. But once that game kicks off on Thursday night, we'll all be locked in to watch it. And Tampa Tom's first game is in New Orleans. It's such a shame. Such a shame. Oh, I know. That it's in an empty dome. But if still, only we worked for a media organization that we could get credentialed by. I'm sure we could if we wanted to go. You can make that happen. I'd get kicked out quickly, though, I think. <laughs> you got to be quiet up there, Borky. <laughs> you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to cheer. Trust me. I don't know if I could do that. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.